You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to another episode of Crime of the Mitten, where your hosts, Shell and Alia. What better way to gush about crimes without raising eyebrows than to start a podcast on crimes committed in our home state, Michigan. From mysterious missing cases to gruesome murders that left the police struggling to stay on the scene, we're giving you the complete insight on what's going on in our mitten state. If you need to satisfy your hunger for true crime cases as much as we do, tune in every Sunday for your weekly dose of mitten crimes. true crime lovers it's Ali and I'm back with another case but before we start because I wrote this transcript a couple weeks ago when it was supposed to, when the episode was supposed to go out <laughs> it's not February anymore but I still have a self-care tip <laughs> and it's to stay moisturized like some type of bo- find some type of body butter even if you have to make it yourself but if you decide to purchase my favorite one is from um Oyen Handmade, and they have an online shop with like a point system. A point system? Yes. That's like, how they get me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Starbucks <laughs> for some body care. Do they send out gold cards after a while? <laughs> if so, I'm in. But yeah, so they have like all, t- they have shampoo, they have body stuff, like they have everything, and it's it smells amazing, it feels amazing, like they have a really good. Their natural hair hair care line is amazing. I got to get into that, though. I don't have, like, a designated hair care line at the moment. I used to, but... I I don't. I just... Whatever I feel like I need at the moment. Yeah. And then I'm just asking you, like, what did you use? (laughs) That's that's how my my routine goes. But, um, yeah, after you get so many points, you get, like, free stuff. So another great one is Tree Hut, and they all smell amazing. But my favorite one is the one my boyfriend uses, and I steal it every chance I get. <laughs> it's the tropical mango one, and it like it smells amazing. But when I don't buy one, wait I a minute, he's own. using tropical mango. It smells amazing. <laughs> I feel like it's been verif- like that's like a verification step right there. Like, no, this is legit, right? <laughs> So I gotta, I gotta get, I, just I gotta get some of this. I just put him up on their body scrub too. Yeah, <laughs> so that's a change, man. He's gonna explain. We were in Hawaii. He was like, "This is amazing. Why you didn't tell me a long time ago?" Like, sorry. <laughs> He's just glowing now, isn't he? <laughs> oh my god. But uh, yeah, when I don't buy one, I usually make my own, and I just get like the simple stuff from uh, like a health food store. Mm-hmm. So if we don't go to Whole Foods, I usually go to the um the health food patch in Ferndale if you're in Michigan there. It's really great. Mm. But like when you get straight out the tub, you put or sub, shower, whatever, you oil down in some avocado oil. Or you don't have to use avocado, but that's my absolute favorite. I was like, I don't really care for avocados. <laughs> I don't either. I but tell the people I'm allergic. <laughs> so I can't go back now. Good job, Shelby. <laughs> Yep, and people don't offer me guacamole no more. I'm really mad because I've never tried it. <laughs> Neither, I don't think I ever will. I don't think so. It looks disgusting. <laughs> but yeah, my I like to use uh, the avocado oil and then put the body butter on top. My skin feels amazing all day long. Sounds legit. 
It is. That, that sounds honestly. That's I need to try that though. Except for the avocado part, I'm, I'm going to try it. <laughs> any oil, but I just like avocado. I'm more of a coconut oil kind of girl. Yeah, I use coconut oil for yeah. the kids at work. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like a cookie after I put. I'm, I've never ate a coconut cookie, but I've eaten like a whole snack after I put it put it on. So. <laughs> they love getting scalp massages with the coconut oil. It's it's legit. It's like it's like the best thing ever. I don't even like coconut outside of oil. It's no. disgusting. <laughs> okay. Um, my self-care tip for this episode is, which I'm actually just now going through it myself, is like powering down from electronics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like no phone, no laptop. I mean, I could have been on my laptop, but like I legit just, just, just kind of, yeah, I've gotten like time to like read books my mind isn't as cloudy with all the bull crap that's going on on the news right now which i'm really glad because i heard it's been going down <laughs> like it's nice you know how they say like ignorance is bliss sometimes that's right. that's actually a good thing like it, it feels good like not, to, not be, to know to know all this bull crap that's going on like i gotta i don't know i feel like my mind is more rested and i'm ready to eventually go back on the radar and stuff because I've been off the radar <laughs> for like what a week now, almost two weeks. Yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. It it you know what though? I thought it'd be rough for me to do that. <laughs> I really thought so. And then the first night when I'm like, oh, I can go to bed on time. Like it was nothing. I had no distractions. It was nice. And then like the workload at work. You know what? Me not being on my phone, I wasn't able to check my schedule before I got to work. So I didn't re, I, I wasn't so worked up until I got to work. And I was like, well, this is literally a work problem at this point. So right. I got to deal with it, but it feels good. So yeah, powering off of your phone, like even not extremes like I did for like a week or two, but like for a day. Yeah, Shelby had me terrified. I know. I felt so bad though, because you know what? It legit, I was, when I really got like relaxed into it, the old crap moment popped in my head. I was like, I got to talk to Aaliyah. Like, yeah, Everybody no, else, like I've written off like, eh, my dad, I can talk to him next week. My grandma, next week. Like, they'll catch me around. Then I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, all right, she not responding. Yep. So then I had to like. All right. We she ain't on social media. I know. It really okay. looked weird. <laughs> I'm trying to be a have fun on vacation. I'm like, is she okay? It's, yeah. And then I Do thought about it. I was like, because at her house, at like, first, what is happening? I was like, she's on vacation. She's not going to check on me as much. And then I thought about it like, no, she is on vacation. She is going to check on me as much. She does. She's not doing nothing right now. <laughs> so I'm like, is it even more reason? <laughs> yeah, but it, you know, make sure you tell people that you're doing yeah, it beforehand. Tell before you start. And, you know, do it the appropriate way. Like, I, yeah, I messed up. Yeah, trust me. <laughs> but next time I decide to do something like this, I'll have a better, like, you know, guidebook for you guys on how to, like, <laughs> deal with it. Like, how to how to go off the radar without pissing your family off. Because, <laughs> you know, trust me, a lot of people are, like, really not too hot about this. They're like, I just really can't get in contact with you when I want. And I'm like, yeah, that's the point. That's, yeah, that's the point. That's what was supposed <laughs> that, to happen. That, that's, that, that was the idea, but not for everybody. <laughs> But yeah, that's my self care tip. Uh, well, our let let like our ending self care yeah. tip of February <laughs> to end out. Even though it's March now. Yeah, but if we think about it though, like it was yesterday was the 29th of leap year. A lot of weird stuff happened, so we could just keep. This is just February part two right now. Part two <laughs> <laughs> at this point. <sighs> okay, but now into the case. 
And it was funny as I picked this case because, like, it caught my attention when I saw the Kellogg's factory because, <laughs> like, I remember going, I remember going on a field trip when I was in the second grade. Mm-hmm. So it was like, oh, I got to do this. But, like, I'm pretty sure my mom still has the picture because part of the trip was everyone got to take a picture to put on the Frosted Flakes box. Like, you got to stand Aww, next to Tony the so Tiger cute. and your picture went on. Did you ever get on the box? Yeah. No, like, you got your own personal box. Oh, what? Everybody in in the class got that their own personal so box cute. of cereal with their picture on it. it I want to so eat cool. mine. <laughs> no, I think we ate it, and my mom kept the box. Mm. It's like somewhere, like that front cover of the box yeah. is somewhere oh, in that's the house. So cute. That's a cute idea for a field trip. I, so so I want to be on a box <laughs> <laughs> and not be missing. <laughs> like, <laughs> But, like, I remember everything about that field trip. But... Down to the actual case. Before the murder, um, like, the county which it happened in was, like, considered the safest area. Like, it was super safe. Murders weren't really a thing. Like, if a crime happened, it was solved within a few hours. Like, nothing really oh, happened wow. here. Yeah. Like, You're just days. It. And they, everything was, they had everything it's not together. not like that anymore. No. <laughs> you don't have that one place. People are moving. Like, I'm moving to this area, and that's, like, the main place that's now. That's the main place. Everybody moving to Detroit from the suburbs, or to the suburbs, and it's like, <laughs> you, okay. ever, you ever looked up the, the statistics out there? Like, yeah. it ain't too hot, buddy. It's, it's a lot better here than there. <laughs> I think a lot of our cases so far haven't really been in Detroit. I was about to say, we haven't had a Detroit case it's, yet. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> it says a lot, you guys. If you're planning on moving... <laughs> Look at the murder uh, history on it, yeah. you know? But, yeah, so Daisy Zick was a lively, perky, friendly 46-year-old woman in 1963. She was a smaller woman, short, slender, with a nice smile and red hair. She lived with her husband, Floyd, in Waddles Park outside of Battle Creek. She was a neat freak and kept her small home clean. The weather that day was super cold, January 14th, 1963, with six inches of snow on the ground. The weather the night before was only zero degrees. It was freezing out, but the day went on as normal. Sounds like pure Michigan. We can can relate. Our school had us there. At zero degrees, so mm-hmm. I mean, and the day the, going on is like the nothing. Heat, the heat then didn't the heat even broke. Work. I was like, <laughs> uh, you know, this is like illegal, right? Like, is, no, is like, I really, serious? <laughs> I really remember sending a picture to my mom. I had on my coat, hat, and scarf, and was mm-hmm. like, somebody needs to come get me. This is not right. Now I was like, I feel like I'm like uh, like a polar bear right now. And like, then this it is didn't so get attention until I posted it on on Facebook, mm-hmm. and my aunt was like. I'll, I'll come get you. <laughs> yeah, like you gotta expose them to get to get some results around here. Now those kids, if you look at that school now, they got kids that's out like they out every other week. Every other week. Every other day. And uniforms are basically optional at this point when we were getting suspended. I know, for not wearing a patch on a blazer, but that's neither here nor there. Whatever. Oh, reference a whole case on its own. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. (sighs) Like it was freezing that day, but the day went on as normal. Typical Michigan. Mm Mm-hmm. But Floyd was up and ready to leave out for work at 745. He woke up his wife like he did every day and headed out. She didn't have to leave for her shift until, or her shift at the factory didn't start until 11. So she had pretty much all morning to 
right. do whatever. So, like every day, Floyd called Daisy to check in around 9 a.m. She was getting ready to take her bath and get ready to go on her coffee date. She had a coffee date that morning around 10 a.m. with her friend and co-worker, co-worker Audrey, at the Velos restaurant. Soon after she made... Soon after, she made a phone call to the Battle Creek Health Center and spoke to Irene Taylor about her insurance. Irene said Daisy seemed normal in her conversational tone. A few minutes after 9, Daisy got on the phone with Raymond Mercer. Mercer was a guy from the plant she had been having an affair with for the past two years. Everyone has a factory husband and wife. (laughs) Right. Uh, if your man, it's well, I shouldn't start that, but I'm like, hey, most likely he got a factory but no, wife. Like they were both known around town. Her and Floyd were known. Like mm. it was like they just had a free relationship, basically. Oh, like they like were married open. and they were committed. It wasn't necessarily open, but they both knew, and nobody questioned it. Like everybody mm. around town knew, and it was like, mm. oh, okay. that's just them being that's them just again. Them. <laughs> Oh, boy. Um, This wasn't her first time she had a boyfriend while with her husband. Mercer was just the one at that moment. He was just the current one. Okay. He had called to say hi and that he couldn't wait to see her at the factory later that day. (laughs) He can't wait for you to come home. (laughs) I'll be waiting at the locker for you. (laughs) (laughs) Daisy had started to get ready for her shift at the factory. The tape and on the table sat a brown paper bag with a napkin and a banana inside. A sandwich, cheese, and two pickles were wrapped sep- were wrapped individually in wrapped pa- in wax paper next to the brown bag. Her white work shoes were in a bag on the table so she wouldn't forget them. Around nine thirty, the cleaning woman. For the neighbors, May Tolls was outside shaking off a rug. She noticed Daisy's drapes were open, which was unusual because she didn't normally open them so she was getting ready to leave for work. Right. So with them being open at 930, it was like, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Kind of suspicious. Right. I'm kind of like that. I don't open my blinds at all. So if they're open, there's something wrong. <laughs> I don't do sunlight. <laughs> but Tolls and Dave, Daisy, they didn't really know each other. Mm-hmm. but they would wave and keep going. Like, they knew of each other, but, right. like, they Just weren't Just high and by kind yeah. of neighbors. So, um, but being so close by, like, being close to each other, she told, knew that, she knew Daisy's schedule because mm-hmm. she was, like, the neighbor's cleaning lady. She was always around. Right. Um, a little before 10 a.m., Audrey called Daisy and they spoke for a moment. And that was the last person she spoke to before her death. At 10 a.m., Mrs. George DeFrance, the neighbor from across the street, saw someone in the breezeway at the Zick's home. She didn't see much of him, but notice he was medium height, possibly a black man with dark hair wearing a blue jacket, a dark blue jacket. Daisy was known to have men over in the morning while her husband at, at work. <laughs> so Mrs. DeFrance thought nothing of it. She She's just, like, here goes another one. Right. <laughs> she was letting out her dog. When her dog finished, they went back inside. Mm-hmm. She didn't think it, she didn't think about how weird it was for a guy to be outside in the 
freezing cold weather with no car. I was going to say that, like, isn't it still cold? <laughs> it didn't warm up the next day. This is all the same day. Oh, yeah. No, what? Oh, no. No car. Yeah. And then he just, like, if he's not walking to somewhere, like, he doesn't he's like he's on a. There. Yeah, no. Nah, he, he's either it's something suspicious or he a Newport smoker. <laughs> 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 huh. Um. <clears throat> uh, she didn't think about how weird it was. Like he didn't have a car; he was just standing outside. She went on about her business, and about twenty minutes later, she noticed Daisy's um the her side of their two garage door. Daisy's side of the car, the garage door, had been open, and the, her car was gone. But she knew Daisy would never leave her side of the door open like right. especially being that cold and it, the garage yeah. being connected and then to the just house in general, yeah it's not safe it's not safe at yeah. all but yeah it would, make, it would just make the house freezing cold so mm-hmm. she knew daisy would never do that when it was time for the Velos coffee meeting i feel like our yawns are contagious because we're literally just going, just going back, back and, and forth <laughs> audrey was there but daisy was not audrey was concerned about her friend not coming but figured maybe something important had come up when Aubrey got to work and realized Daisy was still nowhere to be found, she was got, you know, a little panicky. Her supervisor said that she never even called in. She had never no- not shown up for work without calling in. Aubrey checked to see if Raven Mercer had heard anything from Daisy or knew why she wasn't at work. He told her that <laughs> he told he let her know that he talked to her earlier that day and it sounded like she had planned to come to work that day, but Still, no one knows where she is. Right. He went on his lunch. He went out on his lunch break to see if he saw her um, white 1959 two door model uh, model Pontiac, but he didn't. There was no sign of Daisy. Mm-hmm. After she didn't get an answer from calling the house, Aubrey called Floyd. Aubrey called Floyd's work phone. He was worried with her not showing up to Velos to meet with Aubrey. Or to work without calling in. He got his stuff together and headed out to search. He thought maybe her car had broken down because of the extreme temperatures. Right. Which makes sense, though. Like, that's a common problem we have here. We'd be like, yeah, it's going to be good to the (laughs) (laughs) wintertime. On Evanston Road at the Pine Knoll Golf Course, Floyd saw Daisy's car. He said, it looked like our car. I slowed down, turned around, parked behind the car, and looked at the license number. It was our car. I thought Daisy had become sick. Maybe she was lying down inside the car. I got out to look in in the car. She wasn't in there. I got I got in the car to see if the motor would run. There was no keys in the ignition, but I used my own to start my own set to start the car. Right. This still didn't explain where his wife was. He didn't look for snow print. He didn't look for footprints in the snow mm-hmm. because he um, he didn't mention the man's footprints going away from the car. So he didn't even that wasn't he didn't even look for that. And then I mean, at the same time, you're kind of not a, like if like right. you, if nothing ever happens there, you kind of not expecting you're like not foul expecting. play. So it's not like, oh, I'm looking for evidence right now or anything like right. that. So I get it. <clears throat> he went home to notice his own. He went home in his own car to notice Daisy's side of the garage door was open. Mm-hmm. Once again, Daisy would never do that. So his worry only grew deeper. 
The door from the breezeway to the kitchen was a little, was open a little when he went to open it. Then he saw her lunch and shoes were still on the table. He called out to Daisy but didn't get an answer. He looked in the living room. Everything seemed to be normal, except for a damp spot on the rug, something his neat freak, freak wife would never allow. Right. And the bed, the bedspread wasn't nearly as neat as Daisy would have left it. Not only was it a little wrinkled, but it looked like blood, blood splatter over er uh, was over the spread. Her purse had been dumped out and was sitting neatly on the floor at the foot of the bed. Her wallet and checkbook were neatly placed on the bed. He ran into the kitchen and noticed the house phone cord had been cut. Mm. Next, he made it to the spare bedroom, where the hi-fi council was pulled from the wall. Shout out to Google, because I had no idea what that was. (laughs) (laughs) Google always coming through with the definitions. (laughs) But it's basically a record player that's built into a cabinet so it's like oh a tall yeah cabinet with the, yeah so yeah i know that. what that is yeah i knew what it was after i looked it up yeah after you know what it is <laughs> well that's honestly the it's suspicious on her end too the fact that her purse was even on the floor like that right. alone right there like not going forget for everything yeah and then just the fact that like women don't put their purses on the floor like we have this super well i don't know i don't you just don't do it but like the superstition behind it is you'll be broke if you put your purse on the floor yeah i thought that and then you see a picture of beyonce at the game and her yeah. purse is on the floor i'm like, well, like apparently that's been a lie my whole life because like, wow like she, i, I was screaming like you know how guys be screaming at the tv like throw the ball i was like pick up your purse <laughs> I hate when they show the cameras on her. I'm like, she just shows how much, like, she's like, girl, even superstition can't touch my money. <laughs> yeah, but no, that's weird, to fi- like, the fact that, like, finding her purse on the floor, though, like, it seemed like neat, if right. you're, like, a neat freak, you would that's have a place for up. everything. Like, everything has a spot. Your purse definitely, it was neatly on the floor, but it's still yeah, on the then floor. Then at the same time, what is considered neatly on the floor? If it's on the floor or the it floor, it's not even neat. It was literally sitting straight up. Like, oh, wow. Closed everything sitting on the floor. Mm. I was a neat. little <laughs> hesitant. I don't know if I want to post pictures of this case on the site because there's, I guess I can, but there's literally only one place you can get all of this stuff from a book. Oh. Everything was in the book. Like, that's, and I guess that's it's some Stone also, Age stuff. Exactly. 1963. <laughs> so, yeah. I found like some newspaper articles on google but you know before you can do that you have to sign in and it's like mm-hmm. 199 and well, i know they're I like 199 to read the rest of the article that's the stuff that we got to deal with when you do research like they make you, you i gotta, just read the whole book i'm like i'm not doing this yeah, i'll who read got, who got time for that it was it was only what 155 pages and if you do want to read the book i'm trying to go to my um the kindle app it's called Murder and Battle Creek by Dang it. No one fifty five is it? One hundred and fifty five. No, it's pages not a lot at all. Lot of pages at all. Now I have to go back to the beginning because it keeps exiting out. <laughs> by Blaine L. Pardo. Hmm. That kinda yeah. sounds that last name sounds familiar. But yes. Like I say it was easy to read. Yeah. Only 155 pages. I finished in a couple days. That's not bad. Right. But, um, so like I said, the hi-fi council was pulled from the wall. Blood 
was splattered across the wall and her feet were sticking out from behind the bed in her black and gold slippers. One leg was twisted as she lay between the bed and the wall. She was unrecognizable from all the blood that covered her body. Her hands were tied up behind her back and there were several puddles on the carpet. Blood puddles on the carpet. With all the blood, Floyd just assumed she had been shot. He went back down to the phone in the basement to call his job, telling them that his wife had had been shot and asked them to call the police for him. 911 wasn't quite a thing then. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> I'm like, uh, Yeah, he called his job to call, to call the police for him. You know what? That crazy moment, because wasn't he like on his lunch break or something? If they clocked him out. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny, but they'd be like, so I guess you ain't coming just back just like you're in. not coming back, huh? Punch. <laughs> <laughs> Probably won't be here for a couple of days, huh? Okay, huh. well, you know. Hey, Tim, can you come in for a minute? You, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta cover this shift. We'll tell you when about it when it comes. <laughs> but um, but after he did all that, had his job to call the police. He sat in the house for fifteen minutes before police arrived. <sighs> Michigan State Police Detective Charles Kahn and troopers Robert Dockery and Ralph Carthu. Pretty sure I'm not saying it right. But they were the first on the scene. Floyd was questioned about what he had seen or touched. Officers from Calhoun County's small sheriff's office would arrive soon after. The bed where Daisy was found... The bedroom where Daisy was found only had one window, and it was locked and covered with both blinds and curtains. She was laying on the power cord of the hi-fi council that was supposed to be on the wall, but was pulled closer to her body. There were signs of struggle, and the carpet had light blood stains and at least two puddles of blood on it. The splatter on the wall showed that she had been attacked while at floor height. There were splatters on the bedspread and a smear. Even though there was clear sign of a fight or struggle, there were only five, there were still five records stacked neatly on the bed. I feel like he's doing this to taunt people about like the whole neat freak thing. Like, why do you keep making this a point? Random stuff like the purse being dumped out, but then like certain things is placed neatly on the bed and on the floor and stuff like that. The purse was still neatly on the floor and then her wallet and her checkbook were like, lined up neatly yeah. on the bed next to each other. Okay, that all right. I feel like it's a message in that. <laughs> Cuz like that's I don't know, that's so random. It's weird. Because of all the blood, Floyd just assumed she had been shot. She was wearing a white blouse that was completely drenched in blood, brown slacks, and her slippers. Her pants were slightly unzipped and it looked like the slip the zipper was pulled forcefully and jammed. They were pulled down just a little, but her underwear were in place and there was no sign of rape. She had been stabbed repeatedly, mostly in her left breast and the left side of her back. Yellow cotton fibers were found on her pants and behind her ears. Her time of death was estimated to be around 11 a.m. In their master bedroom, there was an outline on the bed, like somebody had been pushed in the bed. So, like, mm-hmm. the body outline imprint or whatever was in the bed. Right. A lipstick smear was also found on the bed, like she had been thrown face down mm-hmm. or pushed down face down. 
The purse had been empty. It was on the floor. Was missing $45. Her check from Kellogg's for $25.96 had not been taken. And all of her checks in the checkbook were accounted for. He had left so many valuable things behind. They counted robbery gone wrong was just... Yeah, out of the question. Yeah, that's... They don't even... It don't even make sense because he didn't take nothing. He didn't take anything. $45. Like, that's, he still left the purse, the wallet, nothing. the like, checkbook. Trust me, it was, like, item-wise, especially if, like, you were able to do all this without, like, anybody, rec- like, kind of figuring out something was going on. You could have cleaned that house out. Like, <laughs> right. you really could have cleaned house. So, yeah, no, that's definitely Especially not with it. the car parked in the garage. Yeah, and it's all connected. He mm-hmm. could have made it out with so much if he took the car. Well, yeah, I don't what know. What she did, like, he could have made it out with so much. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> this case is just weird. <laughs> but the cotton fib- fibers that were found on her were also on the bed as well as the kitchen floor. It was decided that it probably came from the gloves mm-hmm. worn by the attacker. And the kitchen sink was a box cutter. The knife had... um. Three inches, three and a half inches of blade with a flat front and a sharp pointed edge. And it had a wooden handle. It was like the box cutters they would use at the Kellogg yeah. factory. And it looked like it had blood on the, bl- on the blade. There wasn't enough blood to test was it human or animal. But Floyd said that Daisy had used the knife the night before to cut the chicken. <laughs> mm, so that's why, you know. <laughs> But like all the knives use a box cutter, a box work cutter knife that, to cut up the chicken. I've never been that that desperate, but I mean, hey, you never know. Like maybe it was a rough day after work, and you just like, I really don't feel like going to look for another one. So this is already in my pocket. Exactly. <laughs> after moving to the garage, the only evidence that was filed was the yellow fiber. Oh my goodness! <laughs> the yellow fibers on Daisy's side of the garage door. Just a little above the doorknob. The yellow gloves were that were suspected that the fibers came from were frequently uh, frequently used by hunters, fishers, and workers at the Kellogg's plant. Mm-hmm. Daisy always kept the door so the house closed and locked, but the front door was unlocked, and the door leading outside leading into the breezeway was open and unlocked. If that was true on the day as on that day as well. She either had to let her killer in on her own mm-hmm. or and just like not expect the things to get violent. Right. Or they like either way they she let them in, whether they tricked mm-hmm. her or she knew them, she let her killer in. Yeah, because there's no sign of forced entry. Right. Inspector Charles Cobb checked Daisy's car that was left on the side of the road. She kept her car just as clean as she kept her home. There was a blood smear on the outside of the passenger side door near the handle. It looked like somebody with blood on their clothes, like, brushed up against the car. Mm-hmm. Um, A few sets of fingerprints that was, were, a few sets of fingerprints were found that didn't belong to the couple. All the extra, thing, all the extra prints were later accounted for, except for one. Yellow uh, cotton fibers were found. Or the front hood of the release lever. Mm. I said in the beginning, in the 60s, crime like this in Battle Creek were, like, unheard of. 
Yeah, and I'm like, this fact that is like something. This is like pretty. This is pretty intense too for it to right, be like it's just not like something a that simple crime. This yeah, like intense. something that don't ever really happen, and then like the crime that does happen. This this is like this is big intense. But um, they only heard about about they heard only heard of about one murder a year, and the crimes were quickly solved. Right. According to the law, Daisy's body could not be removed from the home until the medical exam- examiner <clears throat> ruled her as dead mm-hmm. because the crime was low at the time. Right. <laughs> the job as medical examiner was just a part-time job. Part-time. <laughs> okay. Yep. <laughs> what do they do all day, though? Like, <laughs> right. Wouldn't even be considered part time. It should be call in. Like, okay. But um, it took hours before Doctor Richard Block to arrive to the Zig's home, and it took only seconds for him to complete his investigation. Which I mean, she's covered in blood and not moving, yeah. and at this point, I'm sure she's cold. So. Yeah, I'm like I'm I don't, I'm not here to tell you how to do your job, but <laughs> it's been done. By four thirty PM when Dr. Um Black ruled her dead, rigor mortis had set in and he ruled her time of death to be around eleven AM. Mm-hmm. So literally hours later. Right. Daisy Dick's auto- autopsy took place. At the Farley Funeral Home in Battle Creek by Dr. William Walters. During the autopsy, it was noticed that she had 15 stab wounds around her left breast. Mm-hmm. Eight were closely together. A slash on her left collarbone, four slashing cuts across her left arm, and there was bruising, um, bruising behind her right ear. That would have caught. That would have left her days. Like it could have knocked her out for mm-hmm. a while. Six puncture wounds on the left side of her back that came from um, either being stabbed while she was face down or while she was trying to run away. Mm-hmm. The wolves on her arm came from her trying to fight back. She had broken three ribs in the process. Oh wow! Yeah, Daisy. Her cause of death was from bleeding to death. Detect- that seems like a slow. That's a slow death. And then, like, the, yeah, the extreme of overkill. it is, yeah, overkill. And it's like this is somebody that had it out for her. Like they hated her, and then for them to walk to her house, yeah, in the cold. It's no telling where they came from, but still walking. The point that you walked all the way over there in the cold. To do this, then no. walked home, like walked back to wherever you went, well drove her car, or whatever. But you still have to walk. Still that's, had to walk to some point. That's something lingering. And you don't live on, on a golf someone. course, so you still had you still to had walk. to walk. Like, yeah, no, that it was somebody personal, right? That's what it sounds like. But um, Detective Sergeant Dam um, uh, Mir Pyre. Brought the, brought the knife that had been found at the in the Zig's kitchen sink. Doctor Walters looked at the blade and said that, in his opinion, the blade was not the murder weapon. Um, 
the end of the blade did not seem to match the stab wounds. Dr. Walters never suggested any of any other description of what kind of knife he thought was mm-hmm. used. It was just, he just said it wasn't it that It wasn't one. that. Wow, that's pretty helpful. Right. Thanks. <laughs> the investigation team thought otherwise. They believed that the thrust angle downward could allow, could allow um, its tiny point to duplicate yeah. the wounds that she had. Um, there was still sharp, there was still a sharp edge on the blade and it could have been easily caused her injuries, they thought. Despite what Dr. Walter said, the investigators were sure they had the murder weapon and tagged it as evidence. The person who killed her went, went through the kitchen door and someone either, it was someone she either knew or, like I said, was tricked. She Mm -hmm. was tricked into letting them in. The person left the home in Daisy's car, which means they either um, walked to her home or they were dropped off there. They also had to have known her schedule. They knew right. that she was home alone in the morning because she didn't go to work until later in that. So later in the morning. Mm-hmm. This kind of sounds like a like an ex, kind of like he knows her schedule. You know the house, like right? Yeah, like and then the thing is like because it was in the guest room where he did most of this like he knew like it would i don't know like that just seems too planned like maybe the guest room is the only place I mean, you can it, have her boyfriend <laughs> it did start in her bedroom though remember yeah her imprint was in a bit maybe she ran to the ran. guest room like trying to hide it was also thought like maybe she went to the kitchen after she um realized like the person was out to get her she ran to the kitchen phone to use it and he snipped right. the cord like yeah, it was true. just it's so many scenarios nobody that could play know, out. Right. Yeah. Nobody actually knows. The only one that's going to know is her and the killer. Her and the killer. There were a few witnesses that day on January 14th. Sergeant Fred Ritchie of the Calhoun County Sheriff's Department had been late trying to get to courts to transport a prisoner. While driving on Michigan Avenue, he came up the hill near, near Evanston Road and he spotted the white Pontiac Bonneville but didn't think much of it because it was extremely cold. He thought maybe the extremely cold weather had, like, his, uh, like, um, Floyd thought, like, just cut off the car and, mm-hmm. uh, stop the car or whatever. So he, um, he just kept going. Like, he wasn't paying attention. He was late to court. Right. So, um, Sergeant Ritchie saw a man in a blue coat and would look, or would look to be a navy blue, peak coat walking towards Battle Creek not too far from the car. He didn't check the time or get a good look at the man because he was late to court. Mm-hmm. Sharon Brown lived at one uh lived at eleven eighty nine East Michigan Avenue where the car had been left. Like around the golf course. Mm-hmm. When the troopers went to her home, she said that she had been in that she had seen the vehicle around 10.30 a.m. A few days later, she contacted investigate, investigating officers to um, say she had changed her mind, that she realized, like, after retracing her steps and thinking about the time a little more, mm-hmm. she realized it was closer to 11 rather than 10.30. Right. Investigators made um, made a check of the Dog and Suds restaurant on the other side of the street, less than a quarter of a mile from where the car had been abandoned. 
Dressy Flamkin had been working had been working that day filling in for her sister who usually worked that at that time. I wish I had a sister that could fill in for me at work. <laughs> I'd be calling her tonight. <laughs> she <laughs> She remembered the only customer during that time only one customer during that time, a man who came in, left and returned later. The restaurant was more like a um like a um like a drive-in oh, type okay. place. So in the winter, it was more abandoned because it mm-hmm. was only a small inside. So it was still open, but they didn't have really that many customers at right. that time of the year. So it was easy to remember someone. Right. And I'm uh, guessing they didn't have cameras back then. <laughs> <laughs> just a wild guess. <laughs> he came back at 1130 a.m. just as she was leaving for the day. He was a white male with tan clothing and a top coat. She remember him because he flirted with her that day. Desiree or uh, Jesse didn't did not notice anything out of the ordinary on the man. Like no blood, no. Right. He didn't look suspicious like he had just killed somebody. Mm-hmm. A few more witnesses noticed the car between 10:30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Someone noticed a dark-haired man in a blue coat driving the Zix car. Of course, for Zix Floyd Zick was looked at as a suspect in his wife's murder. Mm -hmm. Could he have killed her out of jealousy? Was it like it was known that he was having affairs, that she was having affairs. Floyd was questioned plenty of times and volunteered to take multiple polygraph tests. He was seen at work by many people before that and had picked up someone for work. So he was accounted for that entire day. He didn't leave work until, um, Daisy's friend Audrey called to ask if he had seen her. Right. And when he like went on his lunch break to go back home and check. Right, to go home and yeah. check. There were multiple other theories about Daisy's murders. Most of them made no sense at all. Everyone who crossed their paths was a suspe- as a suspect. Their fingerprints were tested against those unaccounted for sets mm-hmm. of fingerprints in the car, but there was no there was no evidence that those fingerprints even came from the murder. So yeah. it was just just, he could have still had on his gloves. At they were point. reaching at this point. Yeah, they just—they were going by. Every, they were just picking out anything they could think and then of. At the same time, I hate to like you know question their expertise, but if you're not used to murders like this, you really don't, you know, don't know what you're doing. Yeah, like that's like me jumping in the job, and I'm like, I, like, yeah, why? Like I read a book or something, but like I know this is my job, but I never had to deal with anything like this before. <laughs> so, I mean, experience is the best type of like, right. knowledge, rather than. Like, people go get degrees and stuff. I'd rather get the person that's been doing this for 40-plus years than someone that just graduated out of college. Honestly. Yeah. But, um, yeah, anybody whose fingerprints didn't match that set of fingerprints, they would just let go. Like, oh, okay, he didn't do it. Kind of like the St. Alvin case when they kept testing the uh, the doorknob fingerprint. <laughs> right. And they were like, yeah, but also bystanders are walking throughout the house. So it could have been like, one y'all of them. Like, y'all just letting it, y'all didn't tape off this. Y'all just letting people yeah, in this people house. Just Those walk fingerprints on came from anybody. Anybody, though. Um, William Daly was the Zix mailman. He was one of the suspects in a murder. In an interview with Susan Daly, who was married to William's son, James, said that at the time of Daisy's murder, her and her husband were living with William and his wife, Virginia. Susan said that she remembered William acting um, strange the day of the murder. He told her that he had seen a man walking down Michigan Avenue where the car was abandoned. 
but he also told and he also told her that he had taken several polygraph tests right that day it was on record that he told the police that he saw a woman walking not a man mm. and william never took the test <laughs> <laughs> like he was asked to <laughs> what was his point <laughs> wait he was asked to, but before they even, like, got a chance to test him, mm-hmm. he up and moved to Florida. Oh, of course. <laughs> just, just decided to move out of the state yeah, and that, never that's not to Michigan. at all. Right? Susan said that William made inappropriate advances to her and threatened her by saying he knew who killed Daisy. In 1966, he broke down the door trying to choke Susan, saying that he she was actually his real wife. And her child was his. Okay. <laughs> later in the too hot for him. right. Later in the eighties, an interview with Virginia, who was now his ex-wife, she claimed that William didn't have a good relationship with his mother, who was a small, attractive woman with red hair. Mm. So they were trying to say like he just had a thing, had a thing, a out. thing out for small young ladies with red hair, basically. Wow. I'm a small young lady with occasional red hair. (laughs) (laughs) Red hair when you feel like it. When I feel like it, but still, I don't like to be a target. (laughs) But no, okay, I can kind of get that. And plus, this guy seems kind of, he just seems sketchy. Right. Out of everybody that you didn't brought up, he seems the most. (laughs) Just just weird. Yeah. They really didn't have many other suspects. Like, that was it. It was. Floyd, who was ruled out, and him, who up and moved to Florida. Which, they didn't have enough evidence on the case to go to Florida to and go, get him. Yeah, so just, which that's frustrating. If he did it, he gone. Yeah. So I guess it's probably like a town, like the town knows who did it, but nobody else knows type of thing. Cause probably. But like, why did everybody say they saw, if you know who your neighborhood mailman looks like, so yeah. you would have said, I saw the mailman standing outside of her house. Right. Not just a man because i know the lady who gives my who drops off my grandma's mail for like the past since i was like a kid mm-hmm. i know her like i don't know her name but like <laughs> you know, yeah you know i know what she looks like i've seen her out like out in public before and i'm like oh look there there she go like you just know that kind of stuff you know when it's not a stranger i mean when it's a stranger right. if it's not a stranger so yeah i don't get that one but hey is that a new case <laughs> oh okay I got it right before we left. Ah, uh, okay. So, I yeah, say no more. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, she just took her case off, and I had, I, yeah, it caught my attention. I was gonna forget the ask later, but yeah, that was a good. One. I, that that I, I don't like the murder cases when we don't know the ending. Right? Don't know the ending because then it, it just leaves. But it at up the same time, no, it kind of gave me a good ending because of the fact that maybe it could have been a guy that went to Florida. Yeah. So I feel good at night sleeping, like knowing, like maybe I, I have a strong feeling it was him. Right. Yeah. That was a good one. How did you find that one? Honestly, I don't know. Like I said, when I saw Calyx Factory, I'm like, oh, I remember going there. Let's do this case. Got it. All right. So we got a question, and I'm actually really, I like this one. It's in the thousands, though. But aren't they all? So this one is 1713. If you were going to be invisible for a day, what would you do? What I do? You know, I know what this. Uh, I know what a sixteen-year-old responds to me would do. I would go into all the gas stations and steal all the Slim Jims and Hershey bars. <laughs> <laughs> That's like around the time when the Purge came out, and I seen people like killing each other. I was like, they got the wrong idea. Oh, they just, said crime just, is not like I'm no crime. 
everything is free for all and people want to kill. I was like, we can be robbing stuff together, like priorities. But now I think, what would I do? I think I just mess with people. Honestly. I, I get joy out of that. I would. Honestly. Throw a couple. I don't know. Like the whole yeah, SpongeBob episode when they were naked. <laughs> uh, he was like, we got to get naked if we want to be completely invisible. <laughs> <laughs> just run around and just, just mess with people. Just mess with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. I might take a couple. Because I don't know. I don't know. I might rob a bank or two. <laughs> just throw that in free. like <laughs> So that people won't think that my whole day was a waste. Right. I have something to show for it. I don't know. But that's what I would do. Just mess gotta, with people. You got to get a couple Apple stores. <laughs> yeah I'm gonna just take one of the geeks home with me <laughs> oh. alright that's oh you answered you said you would do the same thing as me yeah I get it mess with a couple people go to an apple store or two <laughs> go to an apple store or two alright I have one of those scamming Instagram pages mom won't be a scam cause I actually had a phone set up one of them Instagram pages yep it's nothing but profit at this point honestly <laughs> Okay, so the last thing we have to talk about, and it's kind of hard to talk about. Yeah. Okay, so I'm starting back classes, and at the end of March, I'm, like, getting ready for them now. And so this is my last episode recording with Crime in the Mitten. Um, Honestly, I'm still in the beginning phases of everything that's going on. So besides, I've had to go to court, two different court things for his two other personal crap that doesn't even I don't even get why I had to go then on top of like I'm about to get ready to move soon and then going back to school is like a lot to do the research and actually be completely committed mm-hmm. like I want to um me and Lee haven't even talked about all the details of it yet no, but really. for the most part though as of now I can't record every week but maybe hopefully I could go back and start once everything dies down with classes and I'm hoping that Aaliyah still carries on with everything. Yeah, with me doing it alone, I'll probably only, or I know for a fact that I can only do every other week and not mm-hmm. every week. So Which, the show will still go on, just not every, there won't be a new episode every week. Yeah, and we're hoping, like, hopefully by, like, April, everything, everything works. Back yeah, up. everything works back out because just now I cannot deal with work over time. And taking these classes and then, because this is only like the start of classes. Like, this is for me to go become a CNA and then I got to start schooling because I'm going to be a nurse. So, it's yeah, yeah, it's a lot. But, yeah, it's probably like one of the hardest decisions I've had to make. One of the most adult decisions because in the back of my mind, I'm like, I can do all of it. <laughs> and then I had to really sit there and think like when no, stuff started pulling me in 20 different directions. I was like, ooh, you are not superwoman. <laughs> you need to chill. <laughs> So, yeah, hopefully that gets back up. But then in the meantime of it, though, I am going to still work on cases so that it wouldn't be Mm -hmm. like when I do jump back in. I'm not far behind and things like that. Yeah. So I'll still be around. It just won't be as active as I will want to or Mm -hmm. as I can possibly be. But, yeah, so that's my bad news. Like, you know, despite the murder case that Leah just talked about, (laughs) that's bad news on top of that. (laughs) But, yeah, so... Hopefully that works out, though. Like, And I'm really excited because I've been telling Aaliyah for, like, what, the past two years that I'm right. going back to school? She's been going back to school for two years now, guys. Yeah, so. trust me. I, school is not my thing. I thought when I was done, they handed me my little paper. I was good. Then I was, I was like, good. gosh, wow, making money as an RN would be very nice. <laughs> it was so funny. 
when we were um in the lift going to our Airbnb when we got to Hawaii, the guy he was like a recruiter for he had like a um assistant living program type of thing, mm-hmm. and he was like a recruiter, so he like yeah, and my boyfriend's like um he was asking us what we do. My boyfriend was like I um install the pipe the gas pipes and all of that. He was like you know. We really need help with that out here. And, you know, what you do for a living? Like, child care? It's like, have you ever, have you ever <laughs> thought about being a nurse? He goes in the back plot of pamphlet. <laughs> have you ever thought about being a nurse? Not at all. Not at all. But, yeah, so I got to actually get... He was get... really trying to sell us moving to Hawaii. Like, I don't even know you. <laughs> this is just a vacation spot. <laughs> don't make this work-related. often, but this is not, no. Yeah, so I got to take time off, and I got to make my dad proud. Because I told him I was going to go to school to be a nurse. And, yeah. Then also, if I go back to school to be a nurse, he'll pay for my uh, internet bill. So, you know, oh, well. stuff starts... I'm like, hey, that could really help in the future. Because that's one less thing I got to pay for. <laughs> But yeah, so it's not going to be like a complete. It'll be weird, but it'll be weird. We'll but yeah, and then like I just can't dedicate completely. Like if there's mm-hmm. episodes where Leah doesn't need me to come in, I could probably still do it. Like so, it's okay. We just got to work through all the details. Maybe she but... can be my commentator while I do all yeah, the while I can work on homework, <laughs> and right. boring nurse stuff. What do nurses even study about? I know. I'm joking. I actually really know. I did the research. <laughs> That's not a good way to go into it. They're like, didn't you say that on a podcast before? Like, what does this stuff even do? Yeah, so. <laughs> but, yeah, so. Hope you guys like that episode and not like the news. Right. Because <laughs> that was pretty sad. It's hard for me to say it, though. Like, I want to cry a little bit. But then, you know, if anybody knows me personally, you guys know that I don't cry. <laughs> so, because I'm real and real ones don't cry. <laughs> I'm a boss. <laughs> But yeah, so what are you doing? Are you doing an episode next week or? Nope. Okay. The week after. The week after. So yeah, mm-hmm. Leah, we'll see you guys then because I always say bye. <laughs> and we'll yeah. she'll see you guys in two weeks. Maybe I'll be there in the studio in the background, but we'll see. We'll get there. It's it's a process right now. We're still yeah. we're still figuring we're it still out. We're still figuring it out ourselves. Yeah, but you know we gotta let people know. Because everyone keeps asking me, oh, sorry, people keep asking me this stuff, and I was like, "Gosh, you guys, I, I, I don't know, I, I can't, I, I trust I me, can't tell you right now." Yeah, I was like, "I gotta wait," and then like start, people start pushing it out of me, and I'm like, "I didn't even talk to Leah all the way about this yet, so I can't talk to you about this." Like, stop. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, so. that'll wrap things up, and I'll be back with another episode. And a- thank you for listening to another episode of Crime in the Mix. You can find the transcript, pictures we've discussed, as well as the links to our references at our website at www.crimeinthemint.com. There you can also find the links to all of our social media. If you have a case you'd like to, to talk about, go to the Contact Us page of our website and leave a suggestion. Each month, we will choose one for an episode. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps a lot. We love bringing you a new episode every week, but it can get a little expensive. If you'd like to donate any amount of money at all, click the Donate tab on our site for our Cash App and PayPal handles. Anything will be greatly appreciated.